Okay, so that's us. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming. It's uh, as always, I imagine you have a very tight schedule. It's always a pleasure to have you on. So first of all, how you been? A uh, couple of hectic months, I imagine, of just working and working and no no rest. I've been great. Yeah. Um, it was actually nice with the holidays being able to uh, slow down and think strategically about how we want to tackle this year and where we're going from here and and not have the immediate pressure of a project at hand. But of course, things are starting to pick back up now. Oh, that's amazing to hear. And how's the year looking for you guys so far? Uh, lots of events coming up. Uh, I imagine launching, developing is pretty hectic. So how's that feeling on your end? Uh, it feels really good. It, it's exciting to see, you know, big creative productions involve a lot of different players. And the more great minds you can bring together, then the better the the final result. Think about how many people go into making a really successful sporting event or a great movie, something like that. Um, and, you know, the these immersive experiences uh, are starting to add more and more creative contributors and great minds to how to make these experiences even more exciting, interesting, valuable, and scalable. Um, and so I think a lot of what we're excited about this year is seeing these uh, very experienced minds in a traditional space starting to find where they can add value in the, you know, metaverse immersive experience space and, uh, you know, things around customer loyalty and like having people have incentives to come back and gamification, all the stuff that we know is a deeper dive. Um, so a lot of excitement for this year. That sounds really exciting, like you said. Uh, lots of changes, uh, lots of progress from what I can see. What would you say is the thing that's changed the most since our last chat in December? Holy smokes, it feels like it's been a year. Um, I got to remember what we were doing in December. <laughs> in December, uh, you guys had just launched the preview of the Metaverse. You did the short presentation in London, and you were kind of getting everything together, all the ideas, uh, being able to introduce them into the Metaverse. Of course, of course, yeah. And look, the I think the... The biggest difference for us now versus then is uh, scalability. So I think a lot of what we did to build that first experience um, and to define how we would continue to grow that experience, now I think that we're seeing scale laterally, where there are other sports, other activity, other media content, other podcasts. There's a number of other content, media, and e-commerce verticals that are starting to come online. So we're seeing not just depth of experience, like with Warner Brothers Discovery, but we're seeing a breadth of opportunities that are feeling relevant. Um, and from a tech standpoint, having you know really gotten a lot of things buttoned up for the December delivery, that really gave us a lot of clarity in, in scalability of how to deploy this much larger number of projects coming forward. Uh, that's great. Uh, that's really good to hear. And yeah, of course, I imagine uh, after two months, uh, most of the ideas coming together and being able to develop them and probably do them. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, for December, it was it was a bit of a rush uh, trying to get everything ready for that London London preview. And I wanted to ask you, how's the relationship with Warner Bros. Discovery going? Because I've seen you guys in quite active in social media, interacting with them and presenting a few new projects. Yeah, definitely. And I think for whatever comes across in social media, I know there's a, a lot more happening in the background. Um, and I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier in our conversation here, but we've seen more 
parties, more groups from within Warner Brothers Discovery become engaged in these conversations um, around, again, how to expand the, the reach, how to incentivize fans to come in, how to give them that extra depth, you know, like in the same way you say when you build a museum in real life, it's a real effort from absolute experts to find, identify, and curate a museum-type experience. And as we look at building those out in this immersive way online, um, we're getting to have these conversations with uh, really incredibly unique people. You know, some folks that, that you know, there's a, uh, you know, I don't know how far into I can go, but there's a, you know, we're, we're looking at some of these um, historical assets that we want to bring into these immersive experiences. And, and sometimes these, you know, assets, whether it's bikes, bicycles, you know, things people have used to race on, you know, they'll be in museums that from a global scale, they'll be somewhere that sounds really obscure. It'll be with a curator that, you know, doesn't use email, let alone has a phone. Um, but that's because this, um, because the, the the culture where these race events took place in, this is their culture. This is where their attention goes. And so it's fun to meet these folks that are so excited and so dedicated and are going to be so thrilling for the fans to be able to look at, touch in, in a sense, and interact with these interesting parts of the sport culture that normally they would almost nobody would have the opportunity to go connect with or meet with some of the folks who's you know are these incredibly um uh noted athletes within their sport that are absolute superstars within the sport and them being available to help curate and discuss you know what was it like for them coming up in the sport having them you know help introduce new audiences to to the experience and why these sports became um, so meaningful to their fans and being able to share that on a global scale is really cool. Yeah, of course. And you're giving us some hints already of what we can expect and what some of the news are going to be from what changed the last December. But can you give us any kind of exclusive, something that's really developed and that uh, you consider to be a game changer for this occasion? Well, I think one of the things that we discovered and are, are really seeking to leverage in a strong way um, with all of these experiences going forward is how the fan is able to define the kind of content from within an experience that they want. And, and, and what do I mean by that? So, you know, if it's something like track cycling is a great example, you know, we had all these different feeds that were coming into the metaverse experience. Um, and it was great to be able to look at things that normally you might only have a quick snapshot of. Um, but simplifying that experience, simplifying the, that information in a way where a fan can simply say, hey, I really want to follow this racer. I'm really excited about so-and-so. And, and, and the experience itself can then tune what the, that viewer is seeing to be relevant to what they're asking. So if I want to follow a certain racer uh, or a certain rider, you're going, you know, you could watch them from their warm-up. You could watch them, you know, and maybe they're they're working with a coach and they're, you know, thinking through strategy, um, you know, all the way to when they're going to go up to, you know, to do their first race, to then they do the race. Now they come off the track. Okay, who are they talking to? What's the um uh what's the debrief? 
so to speak, on, you know, how that went. And then what are they doing even in between races? You know, these are things that occur all the time in every race. But unless you have a VIP ticket, can go all the way down, you know, into the paddocks and 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 see what's going on. And even then, you're not really ever going to get close to the athlete. Um, the opportunity to get more into that athlete's world um, and simplifying the power of all of these streams into something that is just a push button experience. Wow. I really want to watch this team or I really want to watch this writer and letting that experience sort of um, almost like AI help curate that viewing experience. Um, so the, the audience is getting even more of what they already want and production isn't necessarily having to add a bunch of new cameras or a bunch of new complexity. I think that's really exciting for us that, there's so much media that the audience normally never gets to touch or look at, and now it can be available to them and, um, and they can choose how they want to experience the event. Absolutely. And I'm receiving uh, some kind of vibe that a lot has changed, a lot has developed, a lot has improved. Very different from perspectives from you, what you guys had in December. So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you back in December, back in the time which I'm sure is going to be a very different answer, which is where do you see the metaverse going? Now. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's any different than if, if we look at where do we think it goes to the degree that we have a sense of it looking down the road. I think the the easiest way for me to make sense of it is to simply think about um, the removal of time and distance as an obstacle. And so if you think about what we just described with, you know, wanting to follow your athlete's journey more closely, um, uh, particularly at the race, uh, which is something, by the way, the Olympics tends to do a pretty good job of, right? They'll really, particularly if you're from a certain country, they might spend extra time with you know, that national hero, so to speak, like really getting into what they had for breakfast and, you know, like how they felt last night and separate side interviews and so forth. Um, I think that, that where content creators and customers can find value in sharing more with each other, that's, there's automatically going to be value there that's going to let the content creator monetize their fans in a way that is more organic and genuine and as um, almost cynical from a fan standpoint, the word monetize can sound. The reality is the, the level of production value that the fan can be offered is directly connected to how much the brand or the content creator can monetize. Um, and so where there's more options for what the fans can pick from, um, I think that, that, and I think I'm sort of narrowing my answer somewhat to sports, but not really. I'm thinking of this in terms of film, in terms of gaming, in terms of there's a lot of content like we saw when DVDs first came out or when Blu-rays came out. There's a lot of additional content that has really historically been hard to distribute and monetize um, without doing it as an add-on. And in this case, the metaverse and this and immersive experiences feel like an incredible add-on to streaming, to uh, you know, OTT pre-recorded media, obviously to sports, um, and and ultimately to you know brand experiences, and that's the thing that there are very few real examples of. It feels like right now, but we think that that's still the 
very much the end game because if you look at how much sports are supported by advertising, I mean, that's the name of the game here. We just had the Super Bowl uh, yesterday. And it's in, in our community, it's all about the ads within the Super Bowl and the spend to do this and 30 seconds cost $5 million. Like the, the seeing though, seeing that value, seeing the money that used to go into a 30 second commercial to make people laugh, um, seeing where that money could be applied to immersive experiences is really profoundly exciting. And having worked many years with people in the brand and advertising space. These are some really smart, creative folks. And when they start to have tools and and the freedom to define for their brand what this experience could be and not just how to make something funny in 30 seconds. Um, and, and I don't mean to put that down because this stuff is really funny, but you know, the more options there are, you can always do both, right? Um, I'm excited to see that creativity brought to life at scale uh, it's very early days for it, but I think that's that's where the end game is because you know investors want to see their returns, and and that's where you know so much of the resource really lies is the value of of um, connecting audiences and brands that helps these content creators add a lot of production value to their experience that they otherwise couldn't do if it wasn't sponsored by a group or sponsored by a business. I absolutely agree with what you just said. Uh, at the end of the day, is the more the merrier, and you have to pay off of the accounts. Uh, if you're not paying off the accounts, you're, you might be doing something right, but uh, it's not going to last long for you, yeah. Sally. And I wanted to ask you, you just mentioned Warner Bros. Discovery. Talks are going through different departments. It's quite a big company with that covers dozens of fields, uh, anything we can imagine, sports, movies, uh, gaming, uh, yourself in infinite reality also covers gaming is it something infinite reality is trying to expand in those terms and cover very different fields and not only sports with the development of the metaverse yeah i think we we definitely see a number of different sectors that we think can be significantly transformed by I would say the open metaverse, meaning when the brand or the content creator owns the platform that they're distributing their content on or that they're distributing their experience on. You know, if you think of how uh, websites, you know, it's, we're getting older here, so it's kind of back in the day, but thinking about websites originally, um, you know, the internet was was products like AOL and CompuServe where it was all sort of one big silo, one big bucket. And if you wanted to put your brand in there, you had to do it within the rules and terms of that single provider. And it wasn't until brands and content distributors later through streaming could 100% control their distribution pipeline. That was when you saw the massive adoption of the internet because they could invest in something that they owned and they weren't investing in a third-party platform. And a lot of metaverse today, if we just use that term broadly, is really uh, still trapped in third-party platforms that don't let the brands and the creators have that direct 100% transparent control to the experience, to the monetization, to the creative, um, to the data. And um, and I think it's when, when those brands and content creators see that value, that's when you're going to see the scale that we're all talking about. So that is across the board. That is... Uh, you know, we, we all know watching movies is more fun when we do that together. 
you know, we know going to, you know, almost any experience is more fun with the right friends, with the right, um, uh, you know, partners or with athletes that inspire you or folks that inspire you. You know, it's the these communities where we find each other or even our partners or spouses or, right? And so the ability to, like those, those communities apply to almost anything you can think of. Of course, golf, of course, sports. Um, but certainly, you know, movies and theatrical, even books have, you know, massive communities around um, certain content. And when you think on a global scale, you can take something like jazz music that on its own doesn't seem like it has any singular big gravity of audience. But when you put it on a global scale, suddenly there's enough value in pulling that community together that, um, you know, this is why we have conventions and things like that. So the answer is all kinds of ways in which um, you know, we think people can be better connected together and have their experiences be uh, elevated through that connection. It's sports is just a, is a really exciting early adopter and, um, you know, discovery sports events and Francois in particular um, have always been at that cutting edge of, of newness and innovation and bringing data to racing. And so it's great to see um, them and some of the other early adopters jump in and work together to confidently bring things to life. Um, you know, ultimately, I think when other parties who are a little more, um, you know, have a, have a, uh, are a little more particular about how they want to do or release what they're doing, then I think, you know, they're going to see a lot of the value here and ultimately jump in themselves as happens anytime there's a large, um, mass adoption of a piece of technology. Um, it's it's when there's value for the customer and value for the brand because they can make money with it, same way they did with the, the internet and e-commerce. Um, I think that's when we're going to see the adoption here. And it's across the board, not just sports, for sure. Absolutely. And from what you're talking, uh, lots of talks with Francois. But I wanted to ask you, what can we expect to see this year from the partnership between Infinite Reality and Discovery Warner Bros. Sports. Yeah, well, we do have an agreement to bring together um, a lot of you know what you've already seen at the end of last year for the fall with UCI Track Cycling. We also have uh, you know Speedway SGP um, that begins its series, I believe, at the end of April. Um, and that's, I think, an, there's 11 races there across, you know, what feels like almost half the year, which is great because there's a lot of, you know, iteration and learning and expanding and, and growth that can happen um, as we work ourselves into the fall. So those two series, at least, are, you know, right at the forefront of our mind. Um, there, you know, are obviously other opportunities around, but it's hard to get specifically into them. I think the main thing is you'll see a greater range, right? Like what we had originally was obviously one space and then a lot of vision about what could be. I think as there are more parties that come into the equation, sponsors, retail opportunity, um, you know, museum type experiences, you're going to see a greater range of opportunities within those experiences um, that I think will, will add a lot of the fuel to the excitement as the scope gets broader. Yeah. Uh, that's a fair enough answer. I'm really excited and looking forward to see what you guys are bringing because I, I, I think it's going to be a game changer this time. And I wanted to ask you, how is this whole process feeling on your end? How are you feeling about it? 
are you kind of happy with the result or do you think that more can be done so far? Uh, I think we're feeling incredibly happy and excited with the result. And I think I kind of teased it out earlier, but as there's new partners uh, that then stakeholders that come on within our, our organization, within our partners organization, as they start to see the value and more teams come on, Hey, well, how can we elevate this through social? How can we elevate this through, you know, blockchain and NFT and, um, you know, um, and, you know, fan loyalty programs and, and, uh, you know, things that exist in the traditional space that, that some of us have obviously concepted about in the digital space. Um, now seeing those parties come into the conversation, it feels uh, really incredible. Like, we, I mean, it, it's almost like in my mind when I, I think about, you know, when historically companies have built rockets and you have the motor, you've got the folks designing the rocket itself, you've got the the capsule that goes on top, it's often a number of different companies or groups that come together with their really unique expertise that create this incredible final end product. And we're starting to see these other uh, partners and stakeholders that have really unique, uh, incredible, you know, creative and technical capability coming into the conversation. And so for us, that just means a more interesting, exciting, compelling um, experience. And it's really fun to work with uh, more and more incredible people of course and i'm gonna just throw you a rock yeah you can throw it back if you want <laughs> uh you just uh earlier in the talk you mentioned olympics uh we got olympics right around the corner is it something that metaverse from infinite reality in the paris 2024 olympics is it on the table um i think we would love to see how we could bring our capability um you know technically and creatively to the olympic experience um and it would be too soon too soon to say anything so i won't but yes we would love to um you know see how what we've been learning with warner brothers discovery could apply and, and other sports partners how that could apply on a larger scale to uh something like the olympics I think uh, something like the Olympics would be some kind of the perfect fit for the metaverse uh, with all the events and everything going on, all of the elites. And there's always something to see, really. And it's when you really get the max out of the metaverse, it allows you to go from one place to another as quick as possible without having to travel and, and move around. But uh, thank you for the answer, answering honestly. We could tell there was, there was something going on there. So we'll see in the future, I guess. And yeah, is there anything else you would like to share with us uh, before we finish this interview today? Um, just said, I think we really appreciate, you know, you, you reaching back out and continuing to connect with us and, uh, you know, everything that we've built at the company has been because somebody asked for it, whether it was a client or a partner. And ultimately it's because their, you know, fans and customers have something that they would like, right. And any good brand is obviously stands on its own, but also has an, an incredible pulse on its audience base um, and has a, a meaningful understanding there. So I think just the opportunity to connect with you again and to sort of hear the questions that feel relevant to um, you, know, you and your audience's interests and excitement uh, really feels good to us to have an opportunity to sort of see things from your all point of view 
uh, and understand how the things that that we're creating uh, may be landing, because um, we're we're really here to serve the audience at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you for that answer. And I wanted to ask you one last question. It's been something that's been popping on my mind when thinking about the metaverse and how to improve the the experience to call it like that. And I believe food and beverage is uh, something key when you go to the stadium or when you go wherever with sports events, just uh, people having a beer, uh, Coke, whatever, some fries and a burger. So is it something you've considered of partnering maybe with some uh, food delivery companies all around the world? And maybe getting some kind of discount codes for the for the events, and because you guys are at the, at the level where you can actually do those kinds of partnerships. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and the 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 it's definitely something that's popped up a number of times. Either if you think about, uh, hey, we've got an event coming up this weekend. I've you know bought a ticket, or I'm a part of let's say an NFT membership, and as a result, I get something sent to me. It's almost like a party kit or a participant kit. Um, uh, so that's sort of one dimension where things are a little more sort of predetermined, but then otherwise, yeah, there's, there's been a number of conversations. And I think the way we're, we're looking at it is we're looking to see what partnerships exist and where we can help. Because remember at the end of the day, we're just here to power these experiences. Um, and so Whatever the right model is, whoever um, has the right partnership with those, let's say, local distribution groups, and I'm sure it's different in different countries, and and that becomes its own, you know, question and limitation. Um, for which, actually, I've got a, a question to sort of throw at you at the end here, um, somewhat along those lines. But um, anywhere that the real life can reflect back to the digital, uh, and and that's a great example. You know, you think of how many food and drink sponsors there are um, in and around sports. It's a huge, huge part of it. So yes, those sort of same delivery services, um, the, the questions come up a number of times. And um, and so I would say there are a variety of conversations in the works, but it really depends on that right partner for us saying, hey, this is something that's really meaningful to our sponsor or to our partner. And I think we're you know ready to help implement any of that. Um, you know, at the time where it feels relevant from a business interest, it feels a little bit early, um, not from a tech standpoint, but from a, a client, you know, distribution and understanding standpoint. Um, but certainly as the audiences grow and the content creators look for ways to leverage the interactivity of the immersive experience, then I think that's going to be um, a much more common part of it. And you can even imagine that around, you know, celebrities as well. And particularly for the youth and the amount of attention and pull that, that celebrities and influencers have, um, you know, there's, you see it with brands like, you know, Mr. Beast Burger and, and so forth. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where some of that comes into play. Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you for answering. And just like I do at the end of the podcast with every other interviewee I have, could you give me a song to put at the end of the podcast? Ooh, can I give you a what? A song. A song, like a song that I sing for you? I definitely No, no, no. <laughs> no, just, just... <laughs> Uh, just some recommendation to put at the end of the podcast to finish all the interview. Anything you enjoy listening to or something that hypes you up. I don't really mind. Any kind of generous ballad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um uh I'll I'll give you one, but let me ask you this question first and then I'll give it to you. Okay, go ahead. Because I think it'd be really helpful to to think about this from from your point of view. You know, it's really like what do you see as the the big opportunity here? 
uh, sort of two-part questions. Like, what do you see as the big opportunity? Um, and and from a momentum standpoint, like from a from the audience standpoint, where do you see growth happening? Like, where are you excited to see that next thing happen? You know, say beyond track cycling within the metaverse pieces and things that you see. Where are you like seeing value or seeing um, sort of have like an anticipation about it? And and separately, where do you think maybe there's even more you know gold in the cave that that people have missed? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Of course. Well, uh, I'd say there's a few points of view I've got towards this kind of questions. I've I've thought about it and I've thought about the potential the metaverse might have. And I believe, interestingly enough, uh, some some events like Track Champions League and Track Cycling might be, or some smaller events are just should just gonna be some kind of testing events towards uh, bigger bigger monsters to call it like that. So like we were just saying, the Olympics or maybe Formula One, or mm. uh, those kind of big events where you actually don't have all those kind of experiences that you're missing out on. And I feel like, in my opinion, as a content creator, both podcast and I enjoy doing social media too. For me, what I'd really enjoy to do is, let's say, I sign a contract with Warner Bros. Discovery for their events and I just go there and make interviews live while people are watching on the metaverse and people are watching live. Or let's say in the Olympics, right? Where you got mm-hmm. the Olympic village to see what the athletes are actually doing. Uh, warm-ups which you never get to see on tv but there's a whole lot of warming up going outside of what you really see on tv with an let's mm-hmm. say if you're swimming for example you got an outside pool or for for track track mm-hmm. sprinting you got you got a track outside of the stadium itself to be able to warm up in and i believe that that those kind of events is where everything really comes into play same thing for soccer world cup for example there's so much more going in in the event than just uh, 11 people running after a ball and from each team, right? And there's just, I feel like those are the kind of experiences that if approached properly and with a good quality people, uh, it can be a literally a big boomer mm. and it can really blow up and make uh, the metaverse something key. But uh, we were saying uh, not only with that, I've been following you guys recently because I recently found out that your uh, gaming team uh, Koi, mm. uh, he's well. Uh, you got the partnership with Ibai, who's a Spanish guy who I really like and enjoy watching. It's great, yeah, he's yeah. Phenomenal. So even for those kind of stuff for gaming uh, communities uh, to be mm. able to join a metaverse where you're together with people watching the same uh, stream or the same uh, gameplay, and maybe at some point being being able to chat with the content creator, I think that's where the real opportunity really is for you guys. And it's it's really interesting. So let me say it back because I I think we we have seen some of what I would almost call uh, you know influencer restreaming, yeah. Where right, what particularly within within uh, esports, right? Like it's actually a certain amount of the model of esports is built around the concept that there will it will be restreamed by other you know like for for commentary or community purposes. So it sounds like what you're saying is if you had a similar um, opportunity around more traditional sports to either go and do interviews or add commentary to a stream or maybe offer the stream to your customer base or to your fans who then obviously have to also, you know, have paid for the access to the material. But if there's a way that those could organically blend together, that might be an interesting way to accelerate growth, especially, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a relative term, but like with the youth 
a, a, a younger market, a younger demographic that's used to that kind of uh, customized, uh, um, I don't want to say broadcast, but like consumption experience where it's being curated by someone. Um, is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, uh, essentially pretty much. And what I've been seeing, like you make the comparison with a good quality restream and a bad quality one and it makes a huge mm -hmm. difference yeah. but say for example you got someone uh that you really enjoy listening to commanding on something you're actually interested in it's going to make you double interested because you enjoy the guy who's talking whereas mm -hmm. if you see let's say your favorite game in the world or your favorite uh commentator favorite influencer whatever but he's doing a tragic job to call it that way you're going to be like i'm done with this i'm not going to be I keeping attention to it yeah, it's a it's a really it's a profoundly interesting question to imagine how some of the you know larger content stakeholders who want to control the experience so precisely you know where they would be comfortable um, or um, or even understanding of why that mechanism has the value it has. Yeah, that's that's, that's a that's a great one. Um, all right, so the the song answer is. Um, I don't even know how to spell this for you because, um, and I'm going to get this completely wrong because it's the internet and everybody looks everything up. So you can't, I can't compare my, my memory <laughs> to what the internet is, but I was really excited um, um, by, uh, I, I understood him to be a Japanese professor, almost of sort of the science of music. And he, but he composed songs I almost want to say like from an engineering standpoint, okay. except that they are tuned towards the oral like excitement and interest of the audience in the way that like an engineer would look at perhaps generating like excitement and interest and pleasure in the human brain from sounds. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I believe his, his name is Nobokazu Takamura. No. And he, he, Nobokazu Takamura, okay. I believe. And he did an album. He had, he had one album that was sort of published under its own name that I think is on Spotify. Um, the album is called Child's View. Child's View. Um, Child's View, which is mm -hmm. a very interesting, like, sort of concept. Yeah, yeah. really, yes. Uh, and and it's, it's just, it's purely, you know, it's almost like orchestral electronic um but it doesn't try to sound like any orchestral instruments and it's just an interesting um you know there's so many different genres of music and different artists within those genres and this is one genre where if if it appeals to somebody i you know which it does to me but i don't you know um it's just very unique in that sense okay. uh, i really enjoyed it perfect yeah, really well, I will leave everybody with Nobukatsu Takamura, Charles P. Uh, thank you for the interview. It's been an absolute pleasure. Same here. Thank you, Enrique. Looking forward to the next one. Oh, 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 oh,